BeastNet podcast, sponsored in part by James Safety Services, OCR Buddy, and supported by the fitness community. Here we discuss all things fitness-related, running, rucking, mental health and preparedness, and of course, obstacle course racing. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here, and uh, on this episode I got with me uh, Steve the Rabbit Hammond. Um, so it's the other Hammond. Um, how are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great, Mike. And uh, for anybody who saw the title and saw my name and is wondering why I don't have a British accent, yeah, it turns out there are two Steve Hammonds. Uh, we are both incredible athletes and dashingly handsome, so we get confused for each other all the time. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's good to join you, man. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. What's funny is I actually know a third Steve Hammond that I do comedy with. So <laughs> it gets really weird Excellent. when I'm like, yeah, Steve Hammond. And they're like, what? Yeah. Which one? Which one? So. So we, we wanted to come on because you did the, the Seafair Triathlon as well as I did. Um, so I kind of want to go a little bit over that. But then I also I just want to go over because, you know, of course, for me, my my new passion right now is triathlon. So I kind of want to talk about that as a newbie. And for somebody who's experienced, you know, get, give some advice to some of the, the new the, the newbies like me, um, you know, what we should be doing to get ready for this and all that. And I mean, I'm, you know, let know kind of what I learned from Sunday. But um, go ahead and before we do that, though, let's let everyone know really who you are besides just the other Steve Hammond. The other Steve Hammond. Yeah. All right. Uh, Like you mentioned, I've got a lot of uh, experience with triathlon. I've been doing it since like 2010. I think that's when I did my first triathlon. Uh, I've completed maybe two dozen, 25, somewhere around there, including three full distance uh, Ironman, quote unquote, Ironman triathlons. Uh, My jam is really the Ironman 70.3, the half Ironman triathlon. I think that's where. Uh, I really like to race the most, but every now and then I'll jump into one of the shorter triathlons. I mean, just coming out of the lockdown and the pandemic, I was really itching to get outside. So when I saw the Seafair Triathlon was uh, happening this year, I definitely had to sign up. So I'm glad to see that uh, you decided to jump in, got bitten by the triathlon bug. And it looks like the afternoon after the race, you signed up for an Ironman 70.3. So good for you, man. i I take it that uh, the experience wasn't too bad for you. No, it was one of those things. Um, it was the challenge I've been looking for. And I mean, that was kind of the thing over, you know, over the the pandemic where I've been training hard and doing a lot of things. And I've gotten to a point where a lot of things I started training with just not to sound bad, aren't that difficult anymore. So I, I wanted a new challenge. And uh, anybody who listens to the podcast know that triathlon has been on my bucket list for years, but I just never thought I was a good enough swimmer. So I decided just to sign up and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, one great thing about uh, swimming is that it's way more about the technique. It's way more about making sure you have focused practice than it is about uh, something like weightlifting or something like that, where it's just kind of the more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, so swimming is definitely one of those obstacles that people run into when they think about triathlon. Uh, but it's it's one that can be overcome if you have the right strategy, if you go, go about it in the right way. Now, one thing that's great about triathlon, what what the reason why I think it uh, uh, attracts a lot of uh, people who may not be spring chickens, <laughs> you and I are kind of getting on getting on a little bit in years. I know I'm not a little bit. Yeah, we, we both have uh, a couple of gray hairs, I think. Uh, but one thing about triathlon is that it uh, really beats up the body a whole lot less than uh, something like obstacle course racing. I know a lot of people. Uh, get into triathlon because it's a little bit more gentle on the body, but it does keep you moving, gives you motivation to uh, keep on 
exercising. It's basically like competitive cardio exercise. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you think of it, but yeah, that's, that's what it's like. And I am super glad that you decided to keep up with it uh, after this last triathlon. Cause uh, to be honest, like this was a really terribly put on race. <laughs> I have to say it was probably the worst triathlon that I've ever done in terms of like race logistics and race management. And like, there are a couple of yeah, issues the, there. I mean, there are a couple of things that were kind of irritating. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, parking lot not opening up until about an hour before the race should have started, I should say. Yeah, uh, it was kind of irritating, but I'll let that pass. But there were a couple of things about this race that were just absolutely unacceptable. You know, there was no security in the transition area. So like after the race, I could have walked in and walked out with a $10,000 bike and nobody would have noticed. So that is definitely not the kind of thing that you're going to see in an Ironman event. Uh, I did see that you did sign up for an Ironman event. I do want to point out to folks who might use the term Ironman a little bit loosely. Um, <clears throat> Ironman is actually a brand. It's not a specific distance yeah. of a triathlon. So you you signed up for an Ironman event, which means it the equivalent would be to say like you signed up for a Spartan race or something like that, as opposed to an yeah. obstacle course race. So Ironman events, they, they cost a pretty penny, but they put on really tight events. So I think you're going to see it's like night and day when you do uh, your Ironman later this year. Which will be good. I mean, that was one thing I did notice. I mean, it was kind of funny because when I walked out with the bike, he did check, you know, the number on the bike to my arm. But I'm looking at him going, that's the only because I actually walked out of the exit area. If I had walked like 30 feet over to where the fence, I could have just walked right over the fence. There, there would have been no one to check. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. By the way, that's I feel like, like if I was going to steal a bike. It wouldn't have been the one that I had. I mean, trust me that I had probably the cheapest bike there, but you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, that's, that's actually a great point to make. One other thing that some people are turned off of when they look at triathlon is uh, they see people riding these Uber bikes that are, you know, $8,000, $10,000. But uh, as you experienced, uh, not everybody does that. You know, there's, there's a significant portion of the field who are riding mountain bikes, who are riding commuters. Uh, you know, they're not spending, they're not taking out a second mortgage to try to race these things. Now, if you do want yeah. to be competitive, if you looked at the um, uh, the elite wave bikes, those things are pretty expensive. But I feel like we should probably take a step back and let people know what a triathlon actually is for folks yeah. that might not be super aware. Uh, it is yeah, an endurance race. Yeah, it's an endurance yeah. race. It's uh, basically all cardio. It takes part in three uh, waves where the first leg of the race is a long distance swim. The second leg of the race is a long distance bike ride. And the third leg is a long distance uh, run. Now, an Ironman is probably the most well-known uh, type of race, which is a 2.4-mile swim, which might take you like 60 to 90 minutes, uh, a 112-mile bike ride, which is upwards of like six hours or eight hours. And then you have to run a marathon, a 26.2-mile run. So what we did this last weekend was a little bit shorter. It was mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a modification of an international triathlon, uh, what you might see in the Olympics. Uh, so do you remember the distances that we were we were running this uh, weekend? It was a half a mile swim, uh, 14 mile bike ride, and then a three mile run. Yeah, a three mile run. So it was quite a bit shorter. Uh, quite overall, a bit, but... the fastest guys in the field took about an hour. Uh, we had a couple of people. Uh, most of the middle of the pack would take like 90 minutes to two hours. And we had, you know, plenty of people who were uh, also there participating, doing like three hours. And I got to yeah. say, the folks who were out there for longer... Uh, total props to them. I mean, being out there, gutting it out, doing their thing. Uh, I always love seeing the back of the pack. So that's, that's, 
it's really inspiring to see those guys out there. It is. It's, it is. And it was for me, it was one of those because I wanted to do, of course, you know, for your first one, I wasn't going to do like I did with Spartan and jump straight into a beast. I wasn't going to go straight for the, the big one. I wanted to try. I want to try the small one because I knew I could do the shorter one with less quality equipment, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. When going into the uh, Ironman uh, and let's let's be clear, I believe you signed up for an Ironman 70.3. Is that right? Yes. The 70.3, okay, the, the 70.3 which is you know, more commonly known as the half Ironman, a yep. half distance. I got to say, anybody who asks me about doing an Ironman, a full distance triathlon, I always say, don't do it. Like it's, it's just <laughs> dumb. <laughs> uh, it, it soaks up your entire life. Uh, you, you basically sell yourself to training for this damn thing. Uh, and then it's over in a day. And when yeah. it is over, you start before sunrise, you end after sunset, and you just have a terrible time. Like that, that's been my experience. I've done three, cannot suggest them. <laughs> and I know anybody who is dead set on doing an Ironman is just going to blow me off and ignore me. So if, if, if you want to, you do you, but I love the Ironman 70.3, hundred percent, my favorite distance. Uh, you can fit it into a, a relatively normal lifestyle. You're probably looking at training like 10 to 12 hours, uh, up to 20 hours, maybe a week, if you want to really push it. And, um, when you do a, a half Ironman triathlon, you're probably going to finish uh, around 1 p.m., 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It got the rest of the Falcon day to celebrate. Like you, you did this incredible thing. You still feel super accomplished and you got the whole day to celebrate. So I love the Ironman 70.3. Yeah. And that was one thing. I mean, honestly, and I mean, it sounds bad to say this, but like this weekend, um, it was I've been I, I, I like I said, it's been on my bucket list for years and I've been just so afraid to do it. And then once I was done, I'm like. That's it. But now, you know, it's like it's not even 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, OK, what are we doing? What are we doing with the rest of the day? So I went home and like planted trees and all that stuff. And everyone's like, wait, you did all that after try. I'm like, we were done by 10. <laughs> I was home before noon. So yeah, it was, it's it's a pretty tight shift uh, with an Ironman. It's a little bit more of a party. You're going to have lots of big cheering crowds. You're you're going nice. to get the you're going to get the feels when you cross that finish line. I guarantee it 100 percent. Well, and it's one of those things too, for me, it was, it, it was something I've always wanted to do. And the swim part has always, you know, when I, you, you saw, when I first started talking about doing this, I was panicked about the swim. Um, but I've been swimming about once or twice a, a week, which I, I'm going to have to up to at least three to four times a week, I think before the Ironman to really push myself. Um, I took about a half an hour on the, the swim this weekend, which was a little Really, with that time, if I kept that pace, I'd probably be under the time for the Ironman, but I would still like to do better than that. Um, but part of it was I panicked. I started having anxiety before I went in the water. I was having problems breathing before I even hit the water. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, you're supposed to start at 7. It's 7.30. It was, what, 7.45 before we hit the water? You know? So it was oh, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Gripe, gripe number two about this race. Uh we started about a half an hour late. They pushed back yes. the starting time because of a small line of buoys, which I, I don't know they why move. they didn't expect that to be there. Um, yeah. They tried and to move it over and over and just ended up not doing it. Just having the uh, swimmers yeah. go under the buoy line. So we had a half an hour wait for them to move the buoy that they never moved. Yeah. So <laughs> by the time it was time to go in the water, my anxiety level was like through the roof and I hit that water and I just, I could not get my breathing under control because I was already, you know, having issues breathing. Um, I probably overdone it because I don't use my inhaler very often, except for when I'm having an anxiety attack. And I used it twice instead of just once. And I think that also pushed my heart rate up, which made my breathing even worse, you know, 
trying to get it under control. So by the time I hit the water, I was already just, eh. you know, so I think that was part of those first race jitters. Um, so I can never get a good rhythm in my swim. Well, uh, believe it or not, that's a, that's actually a really common uh, issue that a lot of people have in triathlon. Um, it's happened to me a couple of times. Uh, it happens to me more frequently now that I'm getting a little bit older. I've realized that when I was younger, I could just jump in the water and go and just like hammer it uh, right out of the gate and be fine. But as I'm getting older, I do have to take a little bit of time to warm up. Uh, so you saw, you might've seen that uh, uh, a lot of folks were jumping in and out of the water for a couple of minutes before their uh, race yes. started. Uh, it's uh, as you get older, it's more important to take that time to warm up, especially getting in the water. Uh, it will definitely uh, reduce your anxiety. You'll get your heart rate going a little bit, get your body prepared a little bit. Uh, I myself jumped in maybe like 6.50 a.m., which should have been 10 minutes before my uh, starting wave. Should I was the, in the first wave before uh, or right after the uh, elite folks were going. Um, so, yeah, I jumped in the water, uh, swam around, just doodled around for 10 minutes or so just to get my body used to it. It's a little bit harder when you have colder water, which I believe Ironman Washington is probably going to be a little bit colder than uh, uh, the Seafair Triathlon. Uh, for folks that don't know, the Seafair Triathlon was in Lake Sammamish, which in July yep. is typically like uh, 70 degrees, uh, could be as warm as 75 degrees. So it was, a, it was balmy water. Yes. And uh, I, maybe like half of the field did not have wetsuits. Uh, which is a little bit unusual uh, for a shorter triathlon. Wetsuits are not as important, but uh, in a longer triathlon, the wetsuit is definitely going to uh, help you out, get you a little bit more buoyancy. So anybody thinking about doing a triathlon and thinking that the swim is just impossible, try it with a wetsuit. It's night and day. I mean, you feel like you feel like Superman when you put that thing on. You feel untouchable. Yeah. So yeah, jumping in the water for a couple of minutes beforehand uh, is going to calm you down and get you a little bit warmed up, uh, get you prepared. And even though uh, my starting time ended up being around 7:40. Uh, just that little warm up did help me out a lot too. And that's what I should have done. I really should have jumped in the water, got a little bit of a swim, but I, I just, I didn't think about it because I wasn't sure if I, you know, it was my first one. I just wasn't really thinking. And now like, you know, I completely agree thinking back, but I think if I would have got in the water, gotten myself all, you know, set, I would have been better. Cause that was the other problem too, is I had a wetsuit. And then when you have the wetsuit and you're standing outside the water for 40 minutes in that sun, I was there, there was sweat dripping off me in that wetsuit. And so I had to like unzip it and then mess with it. And it was just like, it was that, that not going at the start kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I think just, you know, having that little extra time to think about it, but you know, it's one of those a learning thing. It's, it's a new, a new first time I've done it. So, you know, my plan now is to have, I want to get at least two to three, um, if not more uh, days of swimming a week. Um, I live right by Lake Tap, so I go over there to the swim section and just jump in. So uh, that will certainly help. Um, oh gosh, let's see. The uh, I was going to mention something about something that you said. Now I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, one thing I'd say too, the the swim for me is. I mean, a lot of people know this. I'm not a good. I'm, I've never been a strong swimmer. I am. I'm a self-taught swimmer. I never took swim lessons. I never had anyone teach me how to swim. I pretty much just jumped in the water and started figuring it out. Um, so most of what I knew how to do was from watching other people or just trying it myself. So I have had one of our, a friend of mine, Laura is a, you know, a swimmer and a kind of a, not a, a certified swim coach or anything, but is helping me become swimming. And my wife used to be swimming, um, uh, high school and stuff like that so she has an idea so i've been having them kind of help me and one of the things i found is the breathing i was turning my head to breathe about every 
10th or 11th stroke, which is way too far. I was holding my breath too long. And then I got to a point where I was actually breathing too soon. And so it's a lot of getting that breathing down and the rhythm of your breathing to really get. And that's what I found. You know, I was getting a little better before the triathlon. And then I've gone a couple of times now since the triathlon. And I, I feel like that has been the one thing that has changed quite a bit is I've been able to get that rhythm down to a point where I can go for a distance with the breathing. I just have to make sure I get my breathing under control once, you know, once I yeah, get into the race. When, when you do start swimming, you get that weird, like, uh, uh, response when you, your face hits the water and your body just wants to hang on to all the air mm-hmm. it can. It's really difficult to remind yourself that, oh, hey, if, if I'm underwater for three seconds, I'm not going to drown. So you, yeah. you're able to really empty out your lungs, get a nice full, uh, breath of, uh, fresh air when you do pop your head up it's a little bit difficult to uh, overcome that instinct but once you do it yeah swimming um a hundred yards becomes as easy as swimming two miles like it's it's pretty incredible once you get that breathing down yeah um, I, that's what my big goal is right now because i know that's one of the things is i mean i did you know like i said it took me half an hour but i mean it was a, a mix between you know breaststroke and crawl stroke side stroke so i was mixing them up but I mean, it, it was taking me, but I know I have the endurance to keep doing it. You know, I never stopped once to, you know, to, to grab onto, you know, a boat or to help. I can float and I can swim for an hour. It's just, I need to get that, the speed down. So I don't have to be out there for an hour. <laughs> oh yeah. There is, there is a lot of the anxiety of being out there for so long, but people should know that, uh, there are canoes out there. It's a hundred percent safe. <clears throat> You're always safe in the water. And if you do have an anxiety attack, you need uh, to rest. Like it is perfectly legit to wave a hand at one of those canoes and uh, hang on for a minute and catch a breath. Like yeah. that is not against the rules at all. Uh, people are allowed to swim with uh, personal flotation devices. Those ones that you can like pull in an emergency and that will inflate. Uh, they're not allowed to use flotation devices like arm floaties or anything like that. Uh, but they do, they are allowed to swim with those emergency devices. If they do use those emergency devices, they are disqualified in Ironman events. But uh Plenty of people do swim with those. You'll see like uh, uh, red wrapping around people's legs uh, that they they're, they they can use in an emergency. And one thing that I did want to say is <clears throat> one of the biggest differences between triathlon and uh, something like obstacle course racing is that there is uh, unknowns inherent in OCR. You know, Spartan Race is famous for having their hidden obstacles. Yep. Uh, but in triathlon, it is supposed to be 100% set beforehand. You should know everything like you should be able to do your research and know every step that you're going to take along the way from the starting line to the finish line. So the fact that we started a half an hour late, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the run course was completely different from what was advertised on the uh, website. I did see an email like right. It was three or four days before that said something about because of overgrowth or something that they had to change (sighs) the path. Ridiculous. Um, Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of, and I do give them a little bit of, you know, because normally I guess it's at a different park. This was the first time they used that park, but at the same time, they should have. Done <laughs> they should have known shit. what was going on. I mean, my biggest, my biggest gripe there was that the original uh, uh, run course was supposed to be 50% concrete. So I brought road running shoes, which were squishy, zero traction are made for running on the roads. And if I had known that it was going to be hundred percent dirt, then I would have brought uh, cross country spikes. Like I, I would have hundred percent brought something that was made for running on dirt and uh, I would have, yeah, if I would have known that, that what it was, I would have wear yeah. my ultra, you know, I would have wear my ultras instead of my, my, uh, Brooks because <laughs> my Brooks are for the street. That, those are my running, my yeah. street shoes, you know, and 
I have my ultras for, you know, when I go out on trails and stuff like that for Spartans and I mean, any trails and yeah, it's like, I would have worn the ultras, not the, you know, not, you know, the, the ones I did. Cause it was just, wasn't right for that. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I've seen on the <laughs> Ironman for um, Seattle is they've already got it set out. I mean, you, you knew the, the route six months ago. The yeah. They have they, been out for six months. They don't let people sign up until after they have the permits and after they've cordoned uh, everything off and know the route a hundred percent. So <laughs> uh, you know that uh, the route you're going to, uh, that they have up on the Ironman website is the one that you're going to run. <clears throat> I don't want to sound like I'm uh, advertising for Ironman. <laughs> like they're not the only show in town. You can do plenty of other triathlons. And most other small triathlons are great uh, races. I don't want yeah. people to think that just because we're shitting on this one particular race that they're all really crummy. But no, this one was a particularly mediocre race. It was. And it's one of those things. I mean, I'm hoping because I've done stuff with, you know, that that brand before and usually they do OK. But uh, but it's just kind of there was a lot of things that were, you know, weren't good. I mean, the one thing we haven't mentioned either is and I mean, I get shipping and all that kind of stuff, but. We don't have medals. Oh, yeah. The finishers medals. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've just got a giant like sack of finishers medals. I don't even look at it. anymore. I, so. <laughs> when we moved into the house, I set up this wall with his stuff and I was all like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I had this whole plan of how I was going to do it. And now it's just kind of like I go up and there's a pile next to the wall of ones that need to be hung up. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> I'll get to it. You just, just put the ones up that you're super proud of. Uh, yeah, but yeah, instead of a, instead of a finisher's medal, we got an apology email and yeah. a promise of a high five. So whoops. Yeah, so. I, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I'm planning on taking that finisher's medal down to the gravel pit next time I want to throw some lead down range and <laughs> just getting yeah, rid of it's that one of those thing. For me, it's a, I, I've had this conversation before with other people as it used to be all about the medals. And for me now, it's just, it's more about the experience. I mean, I had such, such an interesting experience. I had a great time. Once I got out on course, I actually did have a pretty good time to swim. You know, there was lifeguards everywhere. I mean, I had multiples like, you know, hey, are you doing okay? Do you need help? Because I went way out to the outside to make sure that I wasn't around people to try and kind of help my anxiety. Um, So I was out enough that they were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just trying to, you know, catch my breath and everything else. So, and I would flip over on my back and do the backstroke a little bit to to get my breath under control. so, I mean, they did really good on that part. And then, I mean, you know, they did, you know, the, the bike portion was, you know, good. I, I, like I said, I need a better bike for the longer, if I'm going to go 56 miles, I'm going to need that 14 miles. I was okay, but I'm going to need a better bike for the, the 56. Um, but you know, it, it was, it worked. I mean, mainly, and actually really that bike, the only issue is the handlebars. I just need to be able to, I couldn't lean down because I just said it was a cruising bike. So um, yeah, you can definitely yeah. ride a cruiser for 56 miles, but it's it's not a super pleasant experience. Um, no. A couple of a couple of good points uh, that you hit on there. <clears throat> First of all, the swim. Uh, there's a a lot of people do think that it is just swimming. That it's just about. <clears throat> pardon me, I seem to have a frog in my throat. Uh, people think that it's very similar to like doing laps in a pool, but there are some aspects of a triathlon swim uh, which don't become apparent until after you start swimming. Um, well, first of all, number one, the anxiety before a triathlon is a hundred percent the hardest thing to deal with in a triathlon. Yes. After the starting gun goes, it just like clicks in your head and you're like, oh, this is stuff that I'm really good at. Okay, let's let's go. Let's do it. Uh, but when you are swimming, um, just like you, I was way off course for a lot of the swim. I was I was all over the place. Uh, and that is very common. 
no triathlete can swim in a straight line. I know some people do try to wait until they're able to swim in a straight line before doing a triathlon, and that is never going to happen. So <laughs> being able to pop your head up, uh, look for buoys, uh, uh, and see where you're going and make adjustments on the fly is definitely a skill that you need to develop uh, for swimming. Yes. Uh, and number two, like you mentioned, trying to avoid people. Uh, now in your wave, I expect you probably had maybe like 20, 20 or 30 people, uh, starting, uh, at the same time as you. Yep. Um, and for an Ironman 70.3 event, you're probably going to start with about 200 people. So it's going to be a scrum. You're going to be swimming real close to people. You're going to get slapped. You're going to get kicked. It's inevitable. Uh, one thing about triathlons in America is the swimmers, people in the water are typically pretty kind. Like there, nobody's there to really, uh, uh, be malicious and really hit, hit you or anything. You might bump yeah. in, there might be some contact, but it's going to be real tame. Uh, people, some people do have some, some anxiety about that. Just something to know. Um, it's a little bit different in Europe. <laughs> I've done a couple of triathlons in Europe and that, that is a, that is a fucking Donnybrook. Uh, there are people in there. It's a melee. There are people trying to drown you in the water. <laughs> it can get pretty combative, but uh, no, in America with American Ironman events, uh, there will be contact. It's going to be a little bit difficult, but you know, it's nothing, nothing to be worried about. Just something to be aware of. Yeah. And that's what I've heard. And that was my biggest fear. But I mean, one of those ones I made sure when I ran in, I was towards the back a little bit and I did, I mean, purposefully kind of win. I didn't mean to go out as far as I did, but I was trying to stay kind of towards the outside so that I wasn't, because that was a big fear of mine of being, you know, you know, trampled. But I mean, it was one of those, I just kind of stayed, like I said, a little bit out to the side. And I, I mean, I was okay. Um, but yeah, that, because a lot of people told me that just kind of, if you're worried about it, stay to the outside, because if you go towards that inside of the curve, that's where everyone, you know, everyone goes. Yeah. That's, so, that's a, that's a scrum. Now the yeah. old, uh, Ironman location that used to be in Washington, Ironman Lake Stevens, uh, I know that they strung, they, uh, would string ropes between the buoys underwater so that you didn't actually have to sight. So there are some triathlons that will do that. And that, that does help a whole lot. Oh. That's more just like following a lane in a, uh, in a pool than it is. So you don't have to worry about sighting. I remember yeah. that used to be awesome when I did that. I think I did Ironman Lake Stevens, I don't know, four or five times. I did it quite a few times. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the Lake Wilderness. Um, that's where I grew up. Yeah. That's cool. pretty much like my home Lake. I mean, once I saw it was like, well, so I'm like, I definitely want to do this. And I've been on the waiting list. And when I posted after I finished, you know, Sammamish, I posted in one of my, cause I'm a, a noon ambassador and I posted in the noon ambassador thing, like, Hey, look what I did, you know, hoping to do an Ironman. And someone's like, well, what about Seattle? And I'm like, Oh, it's only a waiting list right now. And the guy posts right after and says, no, it's open. I'm like, what? Oh, so awesome. I, I logged in real quick and I'm like, Oh, it's open. So I signed up. And then like an hour later, I got an email saying, Hey, we've opened the waiting list. I'm like, Oh, too late. I already did it. <laughs> so yeah, for Ironman 70.3, you can usually sign up uh, for those races. They don't always uh, sell out. For the Ironman events, you do need to sign up like the day that those that registration opens for those because they will yeah. sell out super quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that's what I might do, I mean, I want to try the 70.3. I'll probably do a couple of them. And then if then I'm going to make a choice if I want to go for the full. I mean, I don't know if I'm I'm going to have to do a lot of training to get to there. But I mean, I've gone a long way from where I was. So we can see, you know. Now, you've done a couple of marathons. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In my opinion, a marathon is more difficult than an Ironman 70.3, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, it takes me a couple hours longer to do an Ironman 70.3, but in terms of, uh, like overall difficulty, I think the Ironman, uh, 70.3 is a little bit easier. 
Uh, the full distance Ironman is a whole different beast. I'll, I'll let you discover that on your own if you if you really want to do it. <laughs> uh, eventually, it's, I want to try a 70.3 and I want to get one of those. It's kind of, you know, like uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I've done a, you know, you do the half marathon and then you're like, eventually I'll do a full one. And then, you know, and the Ironman, uh, it's like, I want to try the the half, you know, see what I can do. Um, and that may be all I ever do. I mean, you know, it's just fine. I mean, either way, but it was... It just, like I said, it was something that was on my bucket list was a triathlon and I did this one and it's, I'm happy to get it off my bucket list, but I'm like, yeah, but I, I want, I want the, the, the longer one. This was just kind of like an introductory, like, you know, it's like doing a sprint and then being like, okay, I've done a Spartan. It's like, well, you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> now try to do an ultra beast. You know, it's a, it's a little bit different. That's in uh, Dallas. That's, that's in November, October. Oh, October. are you signed up for an ultra beast? Yeah, I'm doing the oh, great, in, man. In October. So oh, good, good luck. Best of luck to you. That's one that I never did. Um, I, I, I was on just once to say I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was on the uh, I did competitive uh, uh, Spartan racing for a while. I uh, decided to back away from that for various reasons. But uh, yeah, now I'm back in triath on 100 uh, percent. If yeah. you do um, a full distance triath or a full distance Ironman, uh, you do have a couple of different options. Uh, definitely look at the different courses around. Uh, if you're worried about the swim, like I said, tons of people have anxiety over the swim. Check out Ironman Chattanooga. Uh, mm-hmm. That swim is in a river where you swim downstream. So you see people with uh, who are doing the 2.4 mile swim in like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And these are regular people. Uh, so you're swimming downriver. It's super easy. It's not difficult at all, uh, comparatively to uh, some other Ironman events. Hmm. So definitely check it out. I think that one's a pretty flat course. It's one that I've never done, but I've, I've heard that it's a, a very good course for uh, folks who are anxious one. about the swim. Yeah. Cause I, you know, and it's one of those ones. I, I mean, not to sound bad. I was anxious about running before too. So, I mean, it was just, once I got out there and started doing it, you know, but the difference is the hard part is, is like running. I can, you know, like right after we finish recording here, I'm probably going to throw on my running shoes and go run around the block, um, which is easy. The swim is hard because I can't just run outside and go do it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta plan for the swim. It's a little bit you you have to prepare for planning for the swim. One great thing about triathlon though is that um, unlike a marathon, where I don't know about you, after my first marathon, I could not walk for like two months. (laughs) Like I was destroyed. But you are so damn tired by the time you get to that run on a triathlon that you just can't run fast enough to bang yourself up. <laughs> so that I, I feel like that's the reason why the recovery time uh, for a, a triathlon is a little bit shorter than just a straight up uh, road race, like a road yeah. run. And that, and honestly, that's what killed me is, I mean, it's one of those ones, all of a sudden I freaking get to the run and I, got, I you know get to get off the bike and my legs are just jello. And I'm like, oh, I've tried this a couple times, but not a full 14 miles to just jump off and go run. And I went and ran and I had like a 34 minute, you know, basically 5k. And I'm like, that's that's unheard of for me lately. <laughs> yeah, you're, you like, usually keep like a nine minute so pace somewhere around there, don't you? Yeah, like you're, yeah, you're getting you're getting Normal, pretty yeah. running. Yeah, um, for yeah, and then it was just like I just I couldn't get my legs. They just would not like you know. Isn't that the weirdest going. feeling? Uh, for, yeah. yeah for, again, for folks that aren't aren't familiar with this, uh, after you get off of the uh, bike course of a triathlon. Your legs are somehow they feel like they're both cement and jello. Like it is the strangest yeah. feeling. Uh, and if if that does happen to you, just just jog for a minute or two. Your legs are going to remember what it what it's like to actually run. Uh, there's a specific triathlon workout called a brick workout, uh, which is to yeah. bike for you know a, a moderate distance at a high intensity, and then get off and immediately go for a run. And that will kind of simulate that feeling a little bit. 
I did want to ask you uh, if you remember what your pace was for the swim. Do you remember that? Um, I think they said it was three. It was three something. Three. Okay. Because I know for um, Ironman 70.3 and Ironman, uh, especially when you're not swimming down a stream, uh, you do have to <clears throat> worry a little bit about the cutoff times. Yes. For an Ironman 70.3, I believe the cutoff time for the swim is an hour and 10 minutes for a 1.2 mile swim, which is about a three minute and 40 second pace. So that might be something to look out for if you're bumping up against that time for the bike. And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to focus so hard on the swim is because yeah. I know I am bumping up on that time and I want to make sure, you know, I, I don't want to DNF before I even get out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, like I said, I've done uh, about 25 uh, triathlons. I've also done about 25 obstacle course races. Uh, I have DNF'd three times in my racing career, and each time was because of a bad swim in a triathlon. Uh, it was because of cold water. So yeah. DNFs do happen. They do happen to uh, the super hot shit guys like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not the end of the world if it does happen. Uh, there are plenty of people who are, uh, you know, out there trying to beat the cutoff times. It's uh, like I said, I believe it's an hour and 10 minutes for the swim. I yeah. believe it's five and a half hours for the bike, and then it's eight and a half hours for the run. Yeah, I was, my pace was three, 336. Mm, okay. So I'm pushing right there at it. So, I mean, it was one of those, I definitely need to, but like I said, my breathing was, if my breathing had been under control, I think it would have been better. But I mean, so I got to make sure that I can figure out my breathing and get that done. And before, you know, I do the Ironman, cause I want to get that. I'd like to get that down closer to three, if not less than three, but that's a that's a big goal. <clears throat> if you haven't looked into it, uh, getting a swim coach does help a little bit. But it sounds like you've got some instruction uh, for folks do, that don't so, have that kind of instruction. You can you can uh, join up with any master's classes and they'll definitely help you out. The hardest but, part yeah. that I've had is and I found a couple of groups around here, um, none in, in Bonnie Lake, but some, you know, up in Federal Way that do some open water swim, some groups. Um, my hardest, the hardest part for me is most places I've looked at for like a, a, a coach it's the hours I have issues setting up my hours because for, for work, like right now, I mean, it's the middle of the day and I'm able to able to record because I'm working from home today, but other days, you know, I work till three or four in the afternoon up in, you know, two hours away from home. Plus I do comedy like last night and tonight I'll be out, you know, out until probably 10, 11 o'clock at night doing comedy. So it's like, for <laughs> me, swim is like, when I can fit it in. So, Giving yourself extra obstacles. You're, you're yeah. living life in hard mode, man. You're, you're doing yeah, everything difficult. <laughs> I am. So it's kind of like when I go swimming, it's like when I can fit it in. So it's like, you know, like I'm debating right now if I want to, you know, go for a swim this, this morning after we're done. But with the weather the way it is, I'm betting the, the swim area at Lake Taps is going to be packed by this time. So I would have had it done it earlier. Um, so sometimes I'll do that. If I have a day where I'm at home, I'll just go swim in the, you know, the swim area, Lake Taps. Um, I don't like to do by myself in open water, but if I'm in the swim area, I don't feel as bad. You know, I have my little floaties so they can find the body, but you know, whatever. Just, just preparing for the inevitable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I have the little orange dry bag, which also means I can throw my keys in and stuff, but it's the floaty dry bag so they can, you know, people can see you. Oh yeah. So the open water dry bag. Yeah, I, I know a ton of people uh, have trouble finding ways to swim. I've always looked for <clears throat> uh, gym memberships that are specifically open super early. Try to get a 24-hour uh, gym membership uh, with pools that are open. Because when I was training for my second uh, full-distance triathlon, 
I would go to the uh, gym at like 2 a.m. and just yeah. swim laps for like two hours to uh, get myself ready. I guess it's a kind of a different story. I was uh, injured at the time, so I, I wasn't able to bike or run. So like all I could do was swim. Um, <laughs> See, that's the hard part is, is I've looked at a lot of the pools around here, you know, and there's a couple of the schools. Um, there's one out in Enumclaw. You know, you of course, everyone immediately when you say, hey, no many pools. And everyone's like the why. And I'm like, yeah, but then you have to get a membership and that's expensive. And but the when I did have a membership at the Y and some of the other ones, you look at their like open swim where you could do lap, or lap swims. It's either like six or seven o'clock in the morning which for anybody who has a job, that's usually when you're on your way to work, I would rather have more like a four or five in the morning or it's like six or seven o'clock at night. So it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit any normal person's schedule. Yeah. Working out that late at night, it, it never worked for me. Like no. it, I was always, I would always have trouble uh, falling asleep if I tried to yeah. work out that late at night. I mean, so it's for, a struggle. I, you, you do have to kind of uh, work it out a little bit. Um, I mean, I wish you the best of luck. Sounds like you got a couple of folks in your corner who are really helping you out, man. Yeah, I do. Uh, have you so, been looking at bikes? A little bit. I'm not sure. You know, I got to figure something out there because, like I said, it's one of those. I mean, honestly, the one that I had, if I had different handlebars, it's a little heavier than I, I, I would need. But the only issue I had really with it was the handlebars. If I could have leaned forward, you know, instead of just having the straight bars, I think I would have been in a lot better shape. But um did really, get the way the, that bike set up, the, the shifters and everything else, they're all on the handlebars. So I think I would really have to replace – it's pretty much get rid of the bike. I mean, it's it's only like a $300 Trek bike, so it's not exactly – <laughs> so. Yeah, if, if you um, uh, do look into triathlon bikes, <clears throat> you'll see that most of the bikes out there are going to be the triathlon-specific, the time trial bikes with the uh, forward-facing handlebars. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where uh, you got your you're basically resting on your elbows in a, a very aerodynamic position. Those bikes tend to be pretty uncomfortable. Plenty of people ride uh, just regular road bikes. You can get those forward facing attachments to your road bike. Um, like definitely look for uh, a road bike. I think that that would be the way to go for you uh, for a first triathlon. That's that's how plenty of people do their triathlons. I've done a yeah. couple of triathlons on just a stock road bike. Uh, also, like. You can you can buy a bike to train with, which is a relatively cheap bike, and then go rent a bike for your triathlon. Just rent some hot shit, you know, race bike. Yeah. I've done that before. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, the most expensive bike that I've ever purchased is maybe like eighteen hundred dollars, which is like an entry level race bike. Yeah. Pretty good quality, not great quality. Uh, and I've rented you know eight thousand, ten thousand dollar race bikes just for the day of the triathlon. It usually runs you about a hundred bucks to race to uh, rent one of those. Um, always an auction or always an option, I, sh- I should say, um, for folks that aren't looking to, you know, like I said, take out a second mortgage for this thing because it gets real easy to spend way too much money uh, oh, on the bike. Because I was looking at like you know the cost of the bikes and you know because we went to you know what was it the Gurks or whatever it's called out there, um, and we walked in and I'm looking at them and I'm like, not to sound bad, but I mean most of those bikes i'm like that's more than my first 10 cars combined i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> they they put some expensive fucking bikes on the showrooms to attract people in there <clears throat> don't let the 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 idea of bike snobbery turn you off from going to a bike shop though like uh, most of those people they don't care if you're uh uh you know super casual about this stuff they're not looking to be elitist or snobby or anything like that tell them what you're looking for 
bike shops by and large will definitely uh, go out of their way to uh, accommodate you, get you a bike for $10,000, $1,000 or $200, whatever your price point is, they're going to help you out. Oh yeah. Well, and partly what I do is some people know my father-in-law is insane. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. right, that, that's a great opener. Let, let's just roll with that. He's insane, but he, he goes to garage. He, he's a, he loves garage sales and he lives in, he lives in my house. He lives with us. Um, but he goes to garage sales constantly. And one of his favorite things to do, he buys bikes. Cause actually the one I rode in the, in the, the triathlon this last weekend, that's just one that was in the backyard that he has that he bought. Um, so he has random ones. There was a really nice one that I was thinking of using. And then, um, my friend, Chris, uh, Christine came over and she bought it from him for a hundred bucks. And I'm like, that's the one I wanted because it did have the lean forward and everything. So I keep telling him to find me another one like that. But he has a bunch out there. There's a bunch. There's a, a Suzuki. There's a whole bunch of random ones that he's gotten um, that are, are really nice road bikes. I just haven't played with them yet. So that's one thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to look at those because there's a couple of them that I found in there um, that he's ended up selling off that were seven, seven $800 bikes that he's bought at a garage sale for like 20 bucks. Oh, nice. Nice. Not oh, bad. Sounds no, like the kinds of things that you might have to uh, uh, fix up a little bit. Yeah. And that's what now, I want to do. I want to see if there's one in there that's got a good frame and wheels, you know, even doesn't have to have good wheels, a good frame and stuff and everything else that I can throw a little bit of money into and make my, my road bike. So he finds some random stuff. He bought a 1977 MGB freaking convertible for 500 bucks the other day. <laughs> like uh, interesting, interesting. In hobby. Yeah. Just uh, going junk shopping and flipping it. Yeah. yeah I mean, just like you, I bought a uh, a bike for 120 bucks off of Craigslist a couple months ago. Put all new components on it, and that's what I rode at this uh, triathlon. And I mean, it worked out for me. I think it's yeah. got a little bit of work to do. If you do well, get a bike, um, uh, when you do get a bike, I should say, uh, what is way more important than uh, the bike itself is going to be the fit. Getting a bike yeah. fit for those longer uh, rides. So you know, spend however much money you're going to spend on the bike, and spend the money to go to a professional bike fitter and it's going to be like night and day. It's going to be the difference between tootling around on a hundred dollar cruiser and riding around on a sleek, uh, uh, you know, super expensive racing machine. It's going yeah. to feel so much different. Uh, and, uh, you will injure yourself if you're, uh, uh, riding a bike for 56 miles, uh, and it's not a good fit, but if you do get a good fit, then like I said, uh, 56 miles, you're going to fly by like nothing. It's going to be super easy. It's going to be super comfortable. You're going to love it. Well, the one thing too, is I had a friend of mine, I talked to another friend of mine, Nate from uh, Hawaii. Um, and he did the uh, 70.3 in Hawaii a couple months ago. And one of the things that he said that, you know, even for the, the cause I talked about doing the seafair one, he said, part of the issues that he has with races that short is you can't, you can't get into it. If that may, you're not, by the time your body's used to doing that, uh, that part of the event, you're moving on to the next one. So by the time you get acclimated, you know, you're like, you do the swim. And then by the time you're, you're, you get into the bike ride where you just be hitting your stride, if you're doing 56, you're pulling off and going to do the run. He's like, he's like, that's what I don't like about the short ones is I can never get into my stride because right as I'm hitting my stride is when we're done with that part of the event. That's pretty common, actually. It's, yeah. uh, I, I myself, have done very few sprint triathlons exactly for that reason. <clears throat> Getting set up uh, the race morning logistics can be pretty overwhelming. So in the past, I've always felt like, well, Ironman 70.3 or uh, Olympic distance triathlon is about as short as I'd care to go uh, yeah. for all the bother to actually get set up to do this stuff. <clears throat> he did Ironman Honu 70.3. Sounds like 
Uh, that is an incredible race. Um, I did that one in 2014. Uh, my slowest half Ironman ever because I blew up like nobody's business. I did not respect the heat (laughs) and I ended up in the med tent afterwards with some severe dehydration and nearly kidney failure. (laughs) So that can be a pretty rough race. Uh, I did that at the, the Spartan Hawaii three years ago. Oh gosh. Yeah. Hawaii, you, you need to respect that Island or else it will chew you up and spit you out. So it's other races are a little bit, a couple weeks. Oh, good luck, man. (laughs) I hope that, I hope that isn't too bad. Yeah. The only, the only year that I did, uh, uh, Spartan race in Hawaii, it was pretty moderate temperatures. I think it was the year that, um, it was super rainy. Oh yeah. Uh, That was the best year. You know, I did the beast the day that was not so rainy. So it wasn't too bad for me. <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I heard it was, I heard it was pretty arduous on the first day. It was cause that's the day I did it. And I also, that's the year I had the broken foot. So I had, my foot was in a boot and I was trying oh, to yeah. go, up those, oh, yeah. go up and down those hills in that rain. Trying, and, to, uh, trying to do that in a boot. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that pretty rough. Stupidest idea I ever had. Well, one of, so, there's been a couple others like doing Montana trifecta weekend with the 20 pound rock this, this year. So <laughs> Hey, it sounds like you always try to go out of your way to make things just a little bit more difficult. I, I figure if I'm going to go for it, I might as well just go all the way, go all in. Um, go all in, get it challenge. done. Yeah. Now, it sounds like uh, you're the kind of guy who's probably going to be racing to get to the finish line. Um, my, like racing specifically, like that's your goal. Get to the finish line, feeling all right, feeling good. Mm. Uh, now, my goals are typically a little bit different. <laughs> so... <laughs> It is it is a good idea to mention. Um, I said that I've done Ironman Honu 70.3. Uh, for folks that are a little bit familiar with uh, Ironman Triathlon, they've probably heard of Ironman Hawaii, which is the championship, which is different than the half Ironman there. Anybody who wants to uh, do the Ironman Honu 70.3, the half Ironman in Hawaii, just go to the, to the Ironman website, you sign up for it, and you can go. If you want to do those championships, you do have to do a... Um, uh, any other Ironman race in the world. Um, and at every single one of those races, they have what are, uh, what they call allocations for their championship slots. So in order to get an invitation to even go to Ironman Hawaii, the world championships or the Ironman 70.3 world championships, you have to place very highly in your age group. And mm-hmm. then after the race, they will, uh, announce the winners. And they will say, okay, we've got two slots or four slots or what have you for each age group. And they will just go down the list. Uh, they will announce the first place person say, uh, you know, Joe Johnson, do you want to go to the championships? And if he's there, he says, yes, that's one slot. And then, uh, you know, if he says no, then that'll roll down to the second place person, third place person, fourth place person, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. So the qualifications to get uh, into Ironman World Championships, which I know are some people's uh, uh, goal, is a little bit different than qualifying for the Boston Marathon, for example, or qualifying for the uh, Spartan Race World Championships. Um, now, I know you've done the Spartan Race World, the uh, Tahoe race, haven't you? No, Tahoe is one I've never done. Okay. I, it just always never, it never worked out into my schedule. And I do, um, I, I'm kind of couching this in the context of uh, Spartan Race, since I assume most of your listeners are more familiar with Spartan Race. A little um, bit. It's been getting a little less. I mean, we've been branching out to, to different things because, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to do the Spartan Races. So <laughs> they're getting quite expensive. 
Um, yeah, I've never paid for it. I've always volunteered and I'm at a point now I don't want to volunteer anymore. It, it, yeah, you, it's, it's a big commitment to do those things. Uh, yeah, the year I did 15 or 16 Spartan races, I bought one of the uh, uh, annual passes. So that was the only reason I was able to afford it. Uh, but yeah, I know, yeah. for example, at the uh, Lake Tahoe Spartan race, you can just sign up uh, for the age group wave, but you do have to qualify for the uh, elite wave. Yes. Um, I was, I was lucky enough to qualify back in 2016. Um, the only reason I did was because uh, uh, there was a championship race on the opposite side of the country of the day that uh, I was racing in Oregon. So all of the super fast people were in West Virginia and I was in Oregon just tootling along. And I think I only managed like eighth or ninth place, uh, which is good enough for a championship slot, but only because there, there just weren't that many fast people there. So yeah, I, I was happy to do that. Uh, I have never been able to qualify for um, Ironman World Championships, despite my best efforts. Uh, it is very competitive. I will say one thing about uh, triathlon, about Ironman triathlon in particular, is it is an incredibly competitive sport. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do get to the pointy end, it's unfortunate that there is a very, very large amount of doping and uh, performance enhancing drugs and that kind of uh, stuff in even the amateur ranks of triathlon. Um, so it's stuff that I've never dealt with, uh, or I've never dabbled with at all. Uh, so if you are trying to be competitive, just something to look out, uh, for anybody who's, who wants to get into it. Like it's, it can be really disheartening. That is absolutely not the case with, uh, Spartan racing in my experience. I think that Spartan racing is a younger sport. It's, it's a little bit, uh, more friendly for, uh, folks who are just dabbling or fr friendly for folks who want to, um, uh, really try their hand at being as competitive as possible. Uh, but you know, if you, if you're there, uh, just to experience it, I think the huge, huge bulk of the field at any triathlon are folks who are just out there wanting to keep themselves moving, wanting to give themselves the fitness goals, uh, to give themselves the motivation to be out there. <clears throat> so if you are that kind of athlete, a hundred percent get into triathlon. It's a lot of fun. Uh, when you do cross that finish line, it is a huge feeling of accomplishment. It is. And that was that that's the one thing for me is it was just it was amazing that to be able to finish it. I'm I never thought if you would have told me 10 years ago I was going to sign up for an Ironman, I would have told you you're out of your mind. Uh, even five <laughs> years ago, I would have told you no, because I can't swim. I mean, and it's and people take that wrong. I, it's not that I can't swim. I just couldn't see myself being able to swim that far. Um Anybody who knows me has been swimming with me literally before this, before I started training for this, this triathlon, I could swim about 20, 30 feet before I was gassed because I never learned how to swim efficiently. I just learned how to, I learned how to swim in a river and taught myself how to swim in a river where I just had to be able to swim strong for about 30 feet. So that's all I was good at was about 30 feet of swimming. And then after that, I was gassed because I was, I was I wasn't swimming efficiently. So now I'm being taught, you know, and I, you know, from having coaches how to swim efficiently so that I can do this. And that's really what it comes down to is, I mean, I can't, I agree with you. What you said earlier is uh, you can't beat a coach, having a coach for any kind of athletic, you know, thing. If you want to, if you really want to get out there and do it, having a coach is going to be the one that helps you get on the right track. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get back up on my soapbox for, uh, one more minute. I know I've been All stepping right. up and down off of it. So oh, it <laughs> when, uh, if, if people are out there looking for advice on uh, the internet from their favorite, uh, you know, fitness YouTuber or Instagram or what have you, <clears throat> now I know this is going to come as a huge surprise to you, 
But the vast majority of advice out there, regardless of whether it's for fitness or for triathlon specifically or for Spartan racing, is um, like it's really great advice. It's wonderful advice for someone, for somebody's yes. goals at somebody, you know, for somebody at some point in their fitness uh, uh, journey. And that there is a good chance that it is total shit for you and what your goals are and what you're doing. Uh, so one thing about having uh, uh, coaches that they're going to be able to tailor tailor uh, training regimens and advice for you specifically where you are and what your goals are. Uh, yes. So for example, a lot of people when they're doing uh, uh, when they're looking up advice for doing their first triathlon will will find the advice to eat as much as possible on the uh, bike, uh, which is total bullshit uh, for a shorter um, uh, race like this. You know, I don't know about you, but I had 200 calories uh, for the entire uh, race, which is like half as much as you should have per hour if you're doing an Ironman race, you know, for example. So <laughs> to be honest, I had a banana before we started um, and some noon on the bike while I was riding. And that was it. That sounds like you hit it right on yeah. the head. You're pushing so hard that your body just can't uh, absorb yeah. Uh, nutrients like you could. Whereas in an Ironman, you're going at an easier pace. You're able to um, uh, take in calories a little bit more efficiently and you need those extra calories to keep you going for a couple of hours. And it's one of those things for me because I've done, you know, it's the type of race, like you said, when I'm doing a half marathon, I might take like one waffle, you know, or something like that. But if I'm doing a full marathon, I've got like two protein pops and a couple other things, because like you said, I'm going a little slower, but if I'm doing something fast, if I try eating, I don't, it just feels like a lead weight in my stomach Oh yeah. as I'm pushing. So that's what I looked on on this one. I'm like, I'm not going to, there's no point where I'm going to be going slow. I'm going to be pushing the whole time, you know, um, yeah, I think even with that oh, yeah. 200 calories uh, at this race last weekend, I felt a little barfy on the run. Yep. Um, I, I was going, I looked at my Garmin. Uh, another gripe about this race is their timing was all over the place. Uh, their, their timing was shit. I think they um, included my time spent in the transition area uh, in my run because my GPS run was about 90 seconds or two minutes shorter. Uh, than the race they had. Or and the I don't time. feel bad yeah. because I had the same issue because I'm looking at it because according to them, my, my pace was like 1130 something. And according to my my watch, you're probably my closer to 1030 or 11. Closer to 10. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was my watch. I actually, I was less than, I was right at 30 minutes. So I was still longer than I should have been to, in my brain, but it wasn't the, you know, the 34 that they had. So I had an extra, it almost showed like an extra four minutes. So I think part of that was in the transition area. Mm -hmm. Like they, they added my transition to my run, <laughs> but I don't know. But then the transition area, it, there, there was a lot of it. Cause there was a lot in the transition area where I'm like, I don't think I spent that much time in the transition area either. So I don't know. It was, I don't T1, over, T1 so. can feel a little bit, um, I, I, for some reason, T1 always feels like it's shorter than my recorded time. Yeah, uh, I always feel like I'm rushing. And then afterwards, I had a four minute and 50 second T1, which is egregiously long for a um, uh, sprint triathlon. Uh, I've always been pretty slow in T1. My T2 was about 90 seconds. Uh, that's first and second transition. The time that it takes to get from the yep. swim to the bike and uh, from the bike to the run, uh, respectively, uh, some kind of silly triathlon drug in there. Yeah, uh, but ho hopefully the Ironman will <laughs> be a little bit better with their timings than these guys. Uh, unfortunately, hey. most Ironman events will try to sell you photos. 
uh, after the race, if you want race photos, you will have to shell out like 40 or 50 bucks, which is kind of a drag. But I've, I've just never done that. I mean, if you have folks uh, sitting on the sidelines uh, cheering you on, which I 100% hope that you do, that always makes every triathlon, uh, especially long distance triathlon, feel a little bit better. Give them a camera, ask them to take some pictures of you. They will yeah, be way better than the race photos. That's probably what I'll do. It's one of those ones. I mean, race photos are fun, but at the same time, I've I've never been one to pay for them. I'm like, I remember what I did, whatever. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it might be different on this one because it is my first, you know, Ironman uh, I'm pushing to do. But, you know, I've just got to really work on that swim. So it's my plan right now is two to three at least a week. I've got two weeks I'm in Hawaii, so I figure I'm going to be out in the freaking ocean swimming a bunch there. So that'll be hopefully be able to, to work on my my breathing to get that down. So, yeah, yeah, I know um, when I first started learning how to swim, it's very common uh, for, um, you know, like young people, children, when they're first learning how to swim. One of the first things that you do uh, is get used to having your face under the water. So one of the yep. first things that I learned how to do when I was, you know, seven, eight years old in peewee swim practice uh, was I would hang on to the, you know, they would have us hang on to the edge of the pool uh, and lay completely uh, flat in the water face down. Uh, and we would, you know, pop up our head like we we're breathing when we we're doing crawl stroke, uh, get a breath. And when we put our head back underwater, exhale as hard as we can. They call it blowing bubbles. Uh, and that is one, one skill that goes completely against your instinct your natural instinct when you're swimming, but it is actually absolutely imperative to never hold your breath when you're swimming, uh, which is one of the more common mistakes that I see when people are first getting started with swimming. Uh, just anytime your head's underwater, just exhale as hard as you can. When you pop your head back up to uh, take a breath, you'll find that, you know, you don't even need to think about taking a breath. Your body knows how to do that. Uh, yeah. you'll, you'll feel a hundred percent better uh, so many people say that they can't swim more than 20 or 30 feet without getting gassed. <clears throat> and then they learn this technique of just exhaling everything in their lungs every time their face is underwater. Number one, it will keep uh, water out of your mouth and nose. Uh, number two, you'll completely empty your lungs so that when you do get a, a second breath, then your lungs are f- uh, full up in air. If you do try to hold your breath, what happens is you tend to only get like a quarter of a breath of uh, good air. And your lungs are just full of bad air and you're just building up uh, carbon dioxide. And that's what will cause that kind of panic in the water when you feel like you're getting really tired. Yeah. And that's what I've been working on trying to fix is that. I mean, because partly for me, too, is it's um, I was a scuba diver. So for me, breathing underwater, having my head underwater and breathing, it's different because in my mind, I'm used to having my head underwater and being able to breathe. But then at the same time, I don't have a regulator in my mouth. So that's it's really it's a wholly it's a completely different feeling, you know, and when you scuba dive, it's either your legs or your arms. It's one or the other. You don't use. Yeah. So and that's kind of my problem, too, is when I swim, it's all arms or all legs. I mean, there's like a disconnect. It's one or the other. So I'm really working on trying to get the movement in my legs to help me, you know, with the propel, you know, to propel me forward. But it just there's always been a disconnect in my brain. So usually when I'm swimming, I'm just it's all arms dragging me through the water. Yeah, plenty of triathletes do try to do that. It's also very common uh, for people who have a running background to try to swim with just their arms. You're not going to get a ton of propulsion from your feet uh, if you don't have those fins, which I believe fins are illegal in Ironman yeah, races. I think so. I think everything um, I saw said they were. Yeah. If not, I would be out there swimming. <laughs> yeah. We probably see some pretty quick swim splits. Uh, but swim is just put on fins and just swim like a mermaid. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do like a monofin or something like that. That'd be yeah. pretty awesome. But I know a lot of triathletes uh, try to swim with just their arms. Uh, even if you have like minimal um, uh, leg movement, it won't give you a ton of propulsion, but it'll keep your, your body in kind of that horizontal position, which gives you a little bit better uh, hydrodynamics to go through yep. the water. Um, yeah. Cause if you try to stick your head up uh, too much, then your waist is going to kind of dip in the water. Um, I think keeping your hips up is also uh, helped a lot by wearing a wetsuit. So that kind of stuff. So yeah, working on body position, working on breathing. Uh, like I said, some of this stuff is really difficult to try to train by yourself. So getting in the pool with someone who knows what they're doing and can take a look at uh, your actual swim form does help a ton. It helped me out a ton. Uh, I used to be a really mediocre swimmer and I was able to do the swim uh, at a pace of about 130 per 100 yards, maybe 130, 135. So I was pretty happy with that. I used to, when I first started doing Ironman triathlon, I was close to do a two minute pace in swimming. So if you practice, it will come, uh, you will get better. Uh, and it sounds like you're right on the edge. So I wish you the best of luck, man. I hope that you're able to get that, those swim paces down just a skosh so that you're, uh, got a little bit of uh, headroom, uh, getting into that Ironman swim. So you can swim, you know, uh, a 1.5 mile half Ironman swim, Take those buoys real wide if you want to, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's gonna be, it's gonna definitely be interesting. It's one of those things I definitely want to do. And like I said, the, the fun part for me, like I said, is literally this is my, this is my, my home. I mean, it's my, my home race. You know, I'm from Maple Valley where this race is being done. So it's kind of cool to, you know, the the lake that I grew up swimming in, you know, is gonna be the lake that I'm gonna do my first Ironman in. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, this used, I believe that it used to be called the Black Diamond Triathlon, and it was bought by Ironman. They still do Black Diamond? Okay, that's a different race. Black Diamond, I think, was last – no, Black Diamond's in August because that one's happening while I'm in – because I thought about that one instead of Ironman, but it's happening while I'm in Hawaii. So I'm like, yeah, can't do that one. So, yeah, but they already have the map up for for, uh, the Ironman. Yeah. which will be amazing. I've got a good friend of mine that I haven't seen since high school. It's coming up from Salem to do it. And I think we might end up doing, um, do the route, you know, like one day in September, you know, in September before the race, just kind of get, get out there and do it. But it's, it's cool to see where I'm going to be going and know I'm like, I know most of these places. So, yeah. I mean, they do a pretty incredible job of, uh, uh, making, I should say the Ironman does a pretty good job of making the race day, a really special experience. You can go out there and swim 1.2 miles, do your bike ride and do your run by yourself, but doing it with those crowds, with those cheers, like you'll see it is, it is something different. It is something else. And it's really cool to be out there and to know that you're on the same race course as the professional athletes who are incredible athletes. You'll see them out there doing their thing and they are, they're just incredible. Uh, It's, it's really inspiring to do that. Well, it's going to be really cool, too, because, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, I mean, I've got some friends that are coming up, like I said, from Salem that I haven't seen since high school. Um, We talk on, you know, all the time. Once I started really getting into running, we started talking again. Um, And then I've got Brian Kays, who I do a lot of my training with and stuff like that, who is also doing it. So, you know, I get us, you know, I get to do with my friends, too, you know, and I may not be right with them the whole time because we did the, you know, me and Brian did uh, the seafair one. So we may not be right there with each other, but I know he's out there and I, and I passed him a couple of times and like, Hey, you know, good job. And I mean, you know, I got, you know, I saw you for a second. I was, would have stopped to say <laughs> hi, but I was running, I was still on the course. So, but you know, it was, 
it's cool when you have that, when you have the friends, that's one thing I miss, you know, I think the most about races right now is doing Spartan races where you may not be running with people, but you see people, you know, there yeah. are, I think there is a pent up feeling of wanting to get out and wanting to do this kind of stuff. Uh, bicycles are super hard to come by right now. I feel like every bike in America has been purchased. <laughs> so if, if anybody is looking for a bike, uh, to do a triathlon, uh, usually you can find bikes on Craigslist, uh, for pretty cheap in like the fall and winter time mm-hmm. frame after, you know, after people are, have used it for their race season, they want to get rid of it, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I know, uh, bikes are a little bit difficult to come by to try to race, uh, for this last part of the year. Uh, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you got a whole team of folks racing with you in Ironman Washington, which is super yeah. awesome. It's always, it always is way more fun to commiserate with folks at the uh, finish line to swap race stories, stuff like that. Goodness knows I could have spent, you know, five hours talking to you about some fucking insane race stories that I've done. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but my first triathlon uh, is my first, also my first DNF uh, where I was dragged out of the water, passed the fuck out from severe hypothermia. Uh, So I got plenty of, plenty of crazy stories like that (laughs) to talk about triathlon. Uh, you'll, you'll make some experiences. Uh, you'll make yeah, some absolutely. awesome stories. Hopefully you won't be passed the fuck out like I was. <laughs> Hopefully not. I really hope not, but I mean, Hey, you know, I will happens. say, um, now before this race, uh, I, I was corresponding with a couple of folks on Facebook saying that uh, wetsuits are not necessary, uh, for these kinds of races, uh, for the one in, uh, Lake Sammamish water was about 70 degrees. Wetsuit was definitely not necessary. Uh, temperature wise, it definitely helps yeah. for flotation to make you feel a little bit better in the water. Um, hundred percent agree with that. I, I will say that they're not necessary, but still recommended, you know, you can still yeah. use them for Ironman Washington. Yeah. Ironman Washington, probably going to be the same thing. 70 degree water, uh, for the triathlon where I actually blacked out the water temperature was, I think 56 degrees and I did not have a wetsuit. Uh, in retrospect, they should not have even let me in the water, uh, that yeah. day. Um, I did a, another triathlon a couple of years later where the water temperature was 49 degrees. Uh, and that was an ultra distance triathlon, five kilometer swim. Uh, and that is the first time where I actually pulled the plug in a race myself. I was not pulled yeah. out of a race. I was two loops around this lake. Um, after the first loop, I got out of the water. I said, my race is over. I'm not going to get back in that water or else something bad's going to happen. And lo and behold, like 10 or 15 minutes later, uh, uh, a couple of the race officials were dragging somebody else who had blacked out in the water, uh, who was wearing a wetsuit, uh, because it was just too damn cold. Um, yeah. there were some people, some, some fucking crazy people who had done that swim without a wetsuit. So you can do it, but, uh, you know, I think I'm particularly susceptible to cold water. Wetsuits do help with that. You know, shit happens. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things for me. It's partly for me. I know it was one of those. And, and I thought about it on race day. I'm like, you know, the water's not that cold. I probably don't need the wetsuit, but I trained with the wetsuit because where I train is cold. I train in, you know, Lake Taps, which, you know, it's glacial it's water. Glacial it's fed. Yeah. Yeah. It's glacial fed. So it's, it's a nice cold lake. So I train with the wetsuit. So I'm like, you know, and I say this to everyone racing what you're training. You know, and that's kind of my thing. I'm like, you know, I, I've trained in the wetsuit. You know, it's what I know. Let's stick with it. Because, I mean, I have the tri suit, um, which is amazing. Honestly, I was kind of worried that it was I, I pre- trained in it a little bit, but not a whole lot. So but it worked great. I mean, I oh, had the um, you mean like a triathlon onesie, the yeah. kind of try. OK, yeah. 
Um, I've, I've never actually raced in one of those. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, differentiates me from super hardcore triathletes is that um, when I need to go to the bathroom in a triathlon, I will stop and go to the bathroom at a porta potty. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. I've seen yeah. a lot of people like, you know, oh yeah, if you see someone over the side, they're peeing. And I'm like, they didn't stop? Nope, they just peed on their leg. I'm like, nope, I ain't that oh, dedicated. Oh yeah, if, if somebody's like, uh, popping their butt up off of the uh, uh, bike seat during the bike. Make sure you're not too close behind them because you, you will get some mist. <laughs> yeah, and I, it was like I saw someone posting about it, and I'm like, this is a joke, right? And they're like, no, this. No, no. And then I saw it more and more, and I'm like, oh no, that no, no, that's disgusting. It's <laughs> I am but, not peeing uh, on myself. You know, I, um, I draw the I, line. My my personal best for an Ironman 70.3 was um, just under five hours. I think it's 4.59.53. So I do love to say that sub five hour Ironman 70.3. Uh, during that Ironman, uh, I actually stopped to take a piss at a porta potty. And I don't care that it added like 30 seconds onto my race time. Do not care <laughs> at all. I was still like yeah. 20 minutes off of getting in a, a, a championship slot. So I know it doesn't make a difference. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I'm one of those. I'm not. I think maybe if I was an elite racer or whatever, maybe. But I think even at that point, I'd be like, I couldn't pee down my leg. I think it might be one of those things that, you know, you can get those catheters that roll on like a tongue or something. <laughs> oh, God, maybe, maybe. But even at that point, I'm like, that's still just oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, one of the differentiations, like people are probably wondering why the hell people would do this. But the honest truth is that uh, every single person out there in the elite wave, like they're all super fit. They can all run about the same pace. They can all bike about the same pace. It's not about who can run, bike and swim super, super hard. Uh, You know, people who just did that would probably have exactly the same race time. It's whoever can find those little tweaks to take like a couple of seconds off of your race time. So if I'm talking about buying some specialized shoes that can be worn without socks that you don't need to tie up uh, uh, or spending, you know, $2,000 on special wheels on your bike so that you can shave one second per mile off of your race time, all this bullshit. You'll see a lot of that in the triathlon community. Disregard all of it. Yeah. Go there, do your thing. Do you do it on a $300 bike with a $100 uh, wetsuit in your road running shoes, take 10 minutes in T1 and T2 to change your clothes, to be as comfortable as you want, do your own thing. Do not yeah. feel the pressure to uh, feel like you got to uh, go all out and blow your budget and try to take the advice from the super elite racers. And see, I did from one of my friends, my friend, uh, Kendra, who uh, uh, from high school, I talked to her a little bit because she's really into it. And the only thing she suggested was the tri suit just because it's easier to, to switch clothes. And that was it. So I could just take off the wetsuit and then I threw on my jersey over the top and off I went. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, in all reality, not to sound bad. As a guy, I would have been fine. Shorts would have worked just as well. Yeah, for this one, I think uh, shorts would have worked fine. Um, for my first triathlon, I think my T1 time was actually 19 minutes because wow. I stripped off my uh, wetsuit and got into like full bike gear. And then in T2, I stripped off all of my bike gear and got into like a full running get up. And I just looked like a cyclist and a runner, not like a triathlete at all. Yeah. Um, See, I did the, I had the, 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 you know, tri suit on. So as soon as we got out of the water, I took off the wetsuit, dried my feet, threw on socks, shoes, threw on my, you know, my jersey, and then put on my heart, my my helmet, and hopped on the bike and went. I think my I'm trying to remember my 
T1 was, I think, seven minutes okay. or something like that. So it wasn't bad. Um, Especially because we had a we had a bit of a jog from the edge of the water to the transition area. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't bad. But like, you know, you said, I mean, it's one of those my first ones. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I did I did like having the, the, the tri suit and it fits good. It did it good. Yeah, my T1 was 559. And then it doesn't say what my T2 was. Oh. Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of do the math to figure you out your T two time. T <laughs> two actually looks like it was about three minutes. So okay, okay, yeah, T two tends to be a little bit uh, uh, quicker. Uh, yeah, so for contrast, went... yeah, the the guy who won the uh, triathlon, uh, the amateur ranks had a one minute forty three second T one. Looks like he had about a fifty five second T two. Yeah. So there are some people who will go way out of their way to uh, really optimize everything. Uh, my T1, like I said, was just under five minutes. My T2 was about 90 seconds. It's a little bit shorter, but I'm I'm pretty relaxed in transitionary because yeah. I'm I'm not as competitive as I used to be. For me, people always make fun of me for having long T2 times <laughs> or T1 times, I should say. For me, it was like I said, it was pretty much just take it off. I had the the you know the tri suit on. That was good. And then the other thing I got it was the it's a bib belt. Oh yeah, the uh, race belts. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had the belt had my bib attached to it. So once I got done. You know, and I actually put it on before the, the bike ride, but I didn't need it till the run was just put on the belt because I put my phone in it. Yeah, super handy uh, little advice there. The ones that you can put uh, your race bib on so you're not mm-hmm. pinning it straight to your shirt. Um, I always race with one of those, even if I'm just doing a run. But I've started um, to. I Once I got it for the triathlon, I, I tried it the first time on my marathon and I loved it because I wasn't, you know, yeah, it's cool. it also worked it's a as a good, it's a it's basically a fanny pack. It's the purpose of <laughs> my, my phone and a little bit of nutrition if I'm not wearing a hydro pack. So I can throw a little nutrition in there and, you know, my phone and off I go and I don't have to worry about it. And I've got, you know, so it works out pretty good. I mean, they're, they're, that was one of the, the other things that I got that was amazing that I thought was just and it was just like 10 bucks. Yeah, it's one of the interesting things about triathlon where once you start thinking about it, it is very easy to try to bring everything in the kitchen sink to mm-hmm. uh, uh, your transition area to make sure that you're set up to do everything and really take your time. And uh, as you get into it, it's a lot of fun to try to optimize everything and to try to become like as efficient as possible. Yes. So I found these little little hacks and these little things that will shave a couple of seconds here and there um, off of my race just by uh, not trying to figure out everything that I need, but trying to figure out everything that I don't need. And trying to just bring the stuff that I um, absolutely do need. So, for example, in the longer distance triathlon, I always wear bike gloves. Uh, I just feel more comfortable with it. In this one, no need for bike gloves. So I'll probably save myself 10 or 15 seconds uh, in T1 there. I know one of the big things I did, too. And I mean, I do this anyway just because I I hate tying shoes. I have the elastic shoelaces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I put on my shoes, I can put them on like they're slippers. You know, and I started doing that in Spartan races because that's, you know, I always had an issue with my shoes coming untied. So I went with the elastic laces and now I use them on all my running shoes because then I can just put them on. It keeps my shoes just tight enough that I'm not I'm not pulling them so tight that I'm losing, you know, feeling in my feet. But they're tight enough that my shoe isn't slipping around. So I yes. found those. And then for this, it was perfect because all of a sudden I didn't have to worry about tying my shoe. I just slid my shoe in, pull on the, you know, the tongue and off I went. So. Yeah, there are a couple of companies that make shoes that are specifically for triathlon, specifically for that. They're made to be worn without socks. They're made to be slipped on and off. And they're kind of like a, a stretchy uh, upper. Uh, so they'll like hug your foot so they won't slip around. Um, I really like Zoot shoes, Z-O-O-T. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're actually 
quite, uh, they're not, not super spendy. You can get a, a pair of Zoot shoes for like 40, 50 bucks usually um, that are pretty great for triathlon. They're not as comfortable. They're not going to be as comfortable as, um, you know, Asics or Ultras or any of uh, the road running shoes that most folks would typically use. Uh, but if you are trying to uh, shave a couple of seconds off of triathlon times, definitely check out something like Zoot Shoes or other brands. I'm not, you know, like yeah. really uh, dedicated to just that one brand. It's just one that I happen to use. Yeah, like um, I said, I, I like my, I'm big on shoes because that's one of the ones for me is when I first started running, if it hadn't been for the fact that I figured out that the shoes will stop the leg pain, um, I would have quit running a long time ago. But once I figured out if you get the right shoes, it, you know, it changes so much. Yes. So yes. It's, that, you know. it's, it's very interesting that uh, one thing that I do that really frustrates me probably more than it should is when people ask advice about what brand or model of shoe to wear yep. from other people. And it's so personalized that you may as well be asking people what size shoe you should be wearing yep. and try and say, Oh, my, my favorite runner wears size six shoes. So I'm going to wear a size six shoes. No, no, you shouldn't do that. You yeah. should not be wearing you should find the shoes that work for you. Uh, you should take the time, spend the money to get, uh, uh, you know, one pair of really great shoes. I know Roadrunner Sports in Bellevue um, does a really great job of actually getting you on a treadmill in their store, getting down on their hands and uh, knees, watching your feet, how they land and say, okay, you need this model of shoe because you're running with uh, excessive pronation or with a little bit of supination. Uh, and they will they will outfit you. And just like a bike fit, having the right pair of shoes uh, for running or for biking, for that matter, is uh, incredible. Like it, I, I, I know I've used this phrase a couple of times already in this podcast, but it is like night and day. It is it makes a world of difference to get the right pair of shoes for you. So it I'm does. glad that you spent the time to do that, man. That's, that's and, and super I important. <laughs> I did it years ago and then every time now and I will go about once every year and redo it um, just because I found like especially once I lost all the weight, the shoe that was right for me while I was, you know, when I was 285 pounds, wasn't the same shoe that was right for me when I was 185 pounds. So it was oh, yeah, could, just see losing that. the weight. I actually, I lost, I lost a size in my shoe. <laughs> wow. So you actually went so, down a size, a shoe size. I went down a size in my That's shoe. That's incredible, man. Good for you. Went, Good you know, for went you. from, uh, you know, one type to a whole different shoe. Cause they were like, yeah, maybe, you know, because you were hitting a lot harder, you know, and, and you needed more, I needed more cushion on my shoe and more, you know, pronation on my shoe. But once I lost the weight, I actually, you know, I wasn't hitting as hard and I didn't need as much as I did. So I actually went with a different type of shoe and all of a sudden pain that I'd started to get with the shoes that I had suddenly went away. So don't think just because you've been measured five years ago that it's the same shoe you should be wearing today. I mean, people get really stuck on that. Like, well, this is what I've worn for five years. Your body changes as we get older and we have injuries and we lose and gain and, you know, weight and everything. So get checked. You know, hmm. I, I do once a year, I'll go to either Roadrunner I've used and I've also used uh, Fleet Feet and Bonnie Lake. Um, okay, cool. was the last one I did. And yeah, I switched to a whole different type and it was, it was night and day. Like you said, I mean, I just stole your word, but it was night and day of, you know, I was starting to get shin splints, starting to get, you know, calf cramps with my, you know, one shoe. And then all of a sudden I went to another one and it was, it was still the same brand. I went from Brooks to Brooks, but it was from, I think I went from, uh, I can't remember the ones I had to, I, I have adrenalines, I think now, but I went from one style of Brooks to another and they're like, yeah, these were good for you a while, you know, while you were bigger, but now that you're smaller, you know, you've actually gone down a size and, you know, you need to, to switch up your running shoe. 
Yeah, a nice little hack about Brooks specifically is um, <clears throat> Brooks is actually a local company uh, for folks that don't know. Um, and they have an outlet store up in Bothell yep. where you can go get half price shoes, uh, you know, for super cheap. So my advice for folks that are looking into getting, uh, you know, the expensive shoes is buy the buy the expensive shoes once, find the model that works for you, and then like go online, get them on Amazon or go yep. to the Brooks Outlet store. And that's uh, what I do, actually, is I, I figured out which ones I need. I bought the expensive ones. And then what I'll do is I'll go because with how much I run, I'm replacing my shoes every three to four months. Wow. Yeah, you're putting I, in some uh, massive miles. I've, I've been watching on Strava. You're putting in a lot of miles, man. Yeah, I do at least 100 miles a month and sometimes up to 170. Wow. And so it's... Good for you. You know, with that much mileage, I'm replacing my shoes every three to four months. So it's one of those for me. I'll buy the expensive ones to get checked, you know, and because I'm having them check my shoes, I don't want to be like, oh, here, check and make what shoe I need. Cool. See you later. So I'll buy them there. And then I will, you know, after that, I will go and just do what you said. I go to Brooks online. I've got a customer account and I just, you know, buy a new pair of shoes every three or four months. <laughs> it definitely works that way. Um, I will also because I turn my old running shoes into my everyday shoes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just kind of like the, these shoes don't get retired. They get cycled through another phase of life yes. as it were. <laughs> so usually, you know, the, the shoes I'm wearing every day are the ones that I was running in, you know, last time. So, and then I'll just keep swapping them out until, you know, so that way I get, I get, I mean, Amber's looking at me going, even, you know, when I'm buying them on, you know, the, you know, the discount, I'm still paying a hundred, 150 bucks a pair of shoes. So every three months, so I'm going to make sure they last. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of an investment. I mean, if you look at it, you think about it, that's half as much as you might spend on like a cell phone bill or something like yeah. that. You know, um, I, I will also say um, for folks that are concerned about the uh, price of getting into triathlon, <clears throat> uh, the wetsuit, the cost of a wetsuit can be a little bit prohibitive for some people. Uh, if you're unsure about it, um, there are a couple of shops in the area that will rent you wetsuits. So you can try it out, see if it's for you, see if you want a wetsuit or if you want to do a triathlon without a wetsuit. That's cool, too. Uh, I've rented wetsuits from uh, Everyday Athlete in Kirkland a couple of times. They do a great job. They're a running shop, but they also cater to triathletes a little bit. They don't have any bikes, but uh, they do cater to triathletes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, I did want to ask your your wetsuit. I didn't actually see it. Did you get a sleeveless wetsuit or a sleeved, full sleeve? Mine's a short sleeve. I got a shorty. Oh, okay. Short sleeve. So it's like down to the elbows? Um, Just above the elbow and just above the knee. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I've got a sleeveless wetsuit, which helps me feel like I've got a little bit of a better range of motion in my arms. Um, I've never really liked the feel of a full sleeve wetsuit, but it does come with the drawback that um, there is some chafing under my arms. Uh, I had even with a half mile swim, uh, I had a little bit of chafing, uh, a couple of scratches uh, under my armpits. Uh, so it's some something to kind of bear in mind. I think the full sleeve wetsuit can feel a little bit restrictive if you're not used to it. Yeah. Uh, if you do get used to it, then it does feel awesome. Um, but the sleeveless wetsuits, I personally like them a little bit better. They're a little bit less, uh, insulating, uh, don't keep you quite as warm, but you do have a little bit better range of motion and you do have to deal with the chafing a little bit. So that, that can be kind of a drag, but like I said, you can go to a triathlon shop or someplace like everyday athlete and, uh, yeah, rent this stuff. You don't have to go full hog. Don't have to spend, spend a friggin' fortune to do this. If you're just wanting to dabble. It's a lot of fun, man. And it's one of those things for me, what I did, I, I kind of cheated because I mean, the wetsuit that I have, it's not a really expensive one. I just went and got, you know, kind of a cheaper wetsuit. Oh yeah. Um, Mine's a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. That, mine, I think it was about 70 or 80. 
because I got the shorty. So it's all it's short sleeve and short legs. Um, it's not that big. It zips up in the front. I mean, it's it's comfy. I, I like it. You know, I didn't go whole hog like you said. I mean, I didn't want to go because it's one of those things. My biggest fear was I'm going to go out there. I'm going to spend four or five hundred dollars on a wetsuit. I'm going to spend, you know, two thousand dollars on a bike. And then all of a sudden I'm going to be like, this is stupid, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and never do it again. But, you know, luckily I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, what's funny is Amber took a video as I come out of the water and I'm like, that sucked ass, um, which it did. But I'm going to go do it again. It was it was a challenge that pushed me to a point because I couldn't do the breathing. And it's I know what now. And that's one of these. I wanted that short one. I wanted to know what to get ready for the bigger one. Yeah. And uh, one of the uh, another kind of like super high level abstract difference between triathlon and uh, uh, other forms of racing. I'm thinking specifically obstacle course racing is that in OCR, it is very much a physical challenge, a physiological mm-hmm. challenge. And in uh, triathlon, I feel like it's a lot more of a psychological challenge. Yes. Uh, it's it's really difficult to get in the mindset that you're going to be doing this for a couple of hours. Uh, and it can be very daunting. But I think in that way, it's a lot more conducive to uh, athletes as they get a little bit older. They feel like they want a little bit more of that psychological challenge. It's a, a huge hurdle to, uh, uh, you know, get over. Glad you did it. Glad it sounds like you uh, enjoyed it. Glad you're going to mm-hmm. keep on doing it, man. Good for you. Yeah, I definitely plan on continuing to do it. But um, we're, we're actually way over time, but heh, I'm okay with that. Uh, before, we, before we get out of here, what, what would be the last, if you could only say one thing to somebody that's thinking about doing a triathlon, I mean, what, what would you tell them? At the number one thing when it comes to not just triathlon, but racing, anything you do in general, is make sure that you have a really strong purpose and a reason why you want to do it. Yes. Don't just do it because it's the cool thing to do. Make sure that you want to do it. That is the number one thing that I always tell everybody. If you don't have a good reason to do something, if it's not a hell yes, don't even bother. Put your put your energy into something else where you know you're going to really crush it. If you don't yeah. like triathlon, I know it's not for everyone. I love it. If you don't want to do it, that's cool. If you want to do it, I'd love to bring you along. Uh, but if you'd rather do a Spartan race, that's cool too. I absolutely understand that. So 100%, that is my last piece of advice that I give to anybody, not just triathlon, but with fucking anything. Yeah, and I agree with that. It's one of those things, honestly, in the swim, if I hadn't had absolute resolve that I wanted to do this, I would have easily rolled over to one of those, you know, the the, the lifeguards and say, yeah, pull me. But because I was, I was, I felt like I was wiped before I even turned the first on the first buoy, but it's like, I know I want to do this. This is, I had to resolve to just do it, you know? And if I didn't have that resolve, I would easily, it would have been so easy to just be like, yeah, no, I'm done. Yeah. It's it's super easy. Yeah. When your face is down in that water and you can hear nothing but the swishing and you can see nothing but black, it's real easy to get in your own head. And it's, you got to be comfortable with yourself because you're spending, you know, you're in the uh, Ironman, you're probably going to be spending 45 minutes or an hour with nobody but you and yourself and your own thoughts. And it'll drive you crazy if you're not, uh, if you're not real comfortable with being with yourself. But uh, Mike, you're a tough guy. Uh, you're a strong guy. You've Thank obviously you. got some incredible fitness. You're strong up in the head. You're strong in the heart. You're going to fucking crush it, man. I know it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. So I'm looking forward to this. You know, um, I, I've already printed out the maps. I'm going to look at them and kind of figure out where we're going. Cause I want to, I think I want to drive them and see how much hill there's going to be and, you know, kind of get an idea of what we're doing, but it's going to be, 
it's going to be fun, you know, cool. and the, the run, looking at the run, I know that trail. I've done that trail before. It'll be a nice, easy, easy run. It's a nice flat. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good race. Absolutely. Well, Hey, um, if uh, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to give myself a little pump here. Uh, yeah. I've got my my athlete Facebook page. There's not generally a whole lot of traffic on there, but for folks who are wondering what kind of races I'm going to be doing uh, in the future, I always post races on there. So you can just check out the events page. Uh, search for Steve the Rabbit. I'm sure you'll find the uh, Facebook page, the Facebook athlete page. And hey, Mike, it was good to chat with you. It was awesome seeing you in the race. And yeah, nice. man, I hope you I hope you crush it in Ironman uh, Washington. I, I'm hoping I do too. So, and I'll make sure that we put links to all your, your stuff when we post this. So sweet. Perfect. Thank you for coming on with me. And I will, we'll definitely have to do this again after the Ironman and, and talk some more about this stuff. Well, like I said, I could go on for hours. So it was my oh, yeah. pleasure, man. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, you have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.